Thank you, Dr. Graham. All right, guys, go ahead and uh, open up your Bible or your take out your phone, and let's go to Acts chapter 19. What I want to do today is just talk to you about uh, the profundity of humbling yourself and working hard. So that's not the title. I don't give my messages titles. I'm not that creative, but I just want to talk to you about how profound it is to humble ourselves and work hard. It is a hallmark of being filled with the Spirit of God. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 29 says this, do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. It is profound when we humble ourselves and we work hard. Maybe just maybe one of the reasons why um, God is allowing you to have homework right now is not because your professors need something else to do. How many of you know when they give you an assignment, they give themselves an assignment? Whenever they ask you to write a paper, they've all of a sudden said, you know what, that means I'm sitting at my kitchen table at home and I'm going to grade papers tonight. It's not like your professors just sit in in their office all day long and grade papers. What I'm finding is most professors, most people who work in higher education, a lot of their work doesn't take place at the school. A lot of their work does not take place in their office. A lot of it, candidly, takes place at home after they tuck their kids in bed at night. I would submit to you that one of the biggest tests that the sovereign one wants you to pass is that you would see the value of working hard and doing things with excellence. Could it be that God watches whether or not you give 100% or 88% when you do your homework? Could it be that God is waiting to determine whether or not you qualify for a kingdom promotion based on how faithful you are when nobody else is looking? That's what I want to talk to you about today, the profundity of humbling yourself and simply working hard. Acts chapter 19, verse 11 says this, God worked extraordinary miracles through the hands of Paul so that even his handkerchiefs and aprons that touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. It's a true story. It really happened. So in order to understand what the Bible means, let's understand what it meant. So Ephesus, Paul comes to Ephesus, arguably one of the greatest awakenings that takes place in the New Testament is recorded first and foremost in Acts chapter 19, when the Spirit of God breathes on a city that was known for its magic and its witchcraft. Paul comes, and at the beginning of Acts 19, he comes to Ephesus. Ephesus, in case you've forgotten, it's on the west coast of modern-day Turkey. It, it, at, at this time in antiquity, it was a city of, many scholars say, about 250,000 people. What made Ephesus so significant is it had a harbor, had an extensive road system, um, but it was also the leading city of the most prosperous region in the Roman Empire. So there's a lot of money in the ancient city of Ephesus. One of the dominant reasons why there's a lucrative amount of currency exchanging hands is because of the temple of Artemis. The Romans called her Diana. They believed that if you would go to the temple of Artemis and worship and do a lot of other things, that Artemis is the goddess who saved women from dying in childbirth. This is, this is notable because Paul writes to Timothy about women being saved in childbirth. Evidently, Artemis is the one who prevented ladies from dying, and in ancient Ephesus, we're told by many that one out of two women would die when they gave birth to their children. So 
in, in, in the hub of the city is the Temple of Artemis. Their extensive banking system is really what made it possible for them to fund the Olympic-style games, and it just created a lot of money. So Ephesus is a unique place, a lot of money, and what goes, what's going on is the Apostle Paul comes to the city. He encounters some, I will call them Christ followers. He encounters Christ followers. He just asks them a simple question, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And, and the answer was basically no. Paul prays for them, and Jesus baptizes them in the Holy Spirit. About I, I believe the text says that there are 12, 12 people. And then the Apostle Paul goes into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he begins to have conversations. He preaches, and he talks about the great things that God was doing in the city of Ephesus. What's interesting is he encounters a lot of opposition in the synagogue. He encounters opposition from people. If anybody should have been um, celebratory of the new thing, remember, what does the Word of God say? Behold, I am doing a new thing. It does not say, behold, I'm doing the next thing. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Oftentimes, some of the greatest opposition that, that occurs in the kingdom of God comes from unbelieving believers. It comes from people who should be at the front line of what God is doing, but because God is doing something that's outside of their way of thinking, in many ways, unfortunately, they um, are taken captive, according to Paul's writing to Timothy, they are taken captive by the devil to do his will. People who are born again, going to heaven, have been been taken captive by the devil to do his will. How do they do that? They should have been celebratory on the front lines uh, of what the kingdom of God was doing as it advances, and unfortunately, they became what I will call unbelieving believers. So what do you do when everybody knows this is the guy who had the encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road. This is the guy, remember, he studied under Gamaliel. He was a Pharisee. He could look forward to a long life in the Sanhedrin, a lot of political prowess, a lot of money, a lot of influence. He's the guy, after he encounters Jesus, Paul basically gives up all of that, and he is called to be an apostle to the Gentiles. This is huge because the people who should have been lockstep with Paul criticize him. Not all of them, but some. So what does Paul do? Well, as you continue to read in Acts 19, Paul leaves the synagogue, and the Bible tells us that he goes and he rents the hall of Tyrannus. What do you do when you encounter Jesus face to face? Everybody is talking about the encounter you had, but you hit a brick wall. And the dream God put in your heart doesn't seem to have a rational answer right in front of you. Here's what Paul does. Paul, the great apostle to the Gentiles, leaves the synagogue and he engages in manual labor for two years. He makes tents. As a Pharisee, it was unlawful for a Pharisee to engage in manual labor. As a Pharisee, it was unlawful to spend time with unclean people in the marketplace. As a Pharisee, it is unlawful to talk to Gentiles about the ineffable name, Jehovah or Yahweh. And what does Paul do? Paul engages, he unlearns Phariseeism. He engages in manual labor. He goes to the marketplace and he makes tents and he has conversations with people about Jesus. The workday in the ancient city of Ephesus started at about 7.30 in the morning, and then at approximately 11 in the morning until 4 in the afternoon, they took a, a hiatus. They took a siesta. 
I would go home. They would eat a long meal. They would work in the garden. They would spend time together with their family, whatever. And then they would go back to work. And from four in the afternoon until about 930 at night, they worked again. That was the culture. 7.30 to 11, 11 to 4, take a break. 4 to 9.30, go back to work. So here's what Paul does. He encounters opposition. Oh, God will use opposition to bring clarity to the purpose he has for your life. He encounters opposition from unbelieving believers. He leaves the synagogue and he goes, and for approximately two years, he makes tents. And he takes the money he made from manual labor, and he rents a room in the Hall of Tyrannus. What is the Hall of Tyrannus? It is a place where Greek uh, lectures were given. It's modeled after the Socratic method. So people would go to the Hall of Tyrannus, oftentimes between 11 and 4, during their hiatus, during the um, workday in the city of Ephesus, and they listened to speeches. That's what they did. Paul makes money in manual labor, he takes the money, he rents part of the Hall of Tyrannus, and he gives speeches for over two years. If you were to take five hours a day, six days a week for the bulk of time Paul was there, that's over 130 straight 24-hour periods of time of lecture. You think it's hard to focus for 45 minutes when your professor's going through something, right? 130 straight days, 24-hour periods of time, 3,120 hours according to my calculator if it's right. That's a lot of teaching. Could you imagine what it would have been like to listen to the Apostle Paul walk through Romans? To walk through truths like, oh, foolish Galatians, having begun in the Spirit, now will you be made perfect by the flesh? This guy who was, he had this encounter with Jesus, everybody began to talk about, this is the guy who used to persecute Christians, and he hits a brick wall, and what does he do? He leaves the stage, and he engages in manual labor. I wonder if that's why God chose Paul. Could it be that the reason why God chose Paul to be the apostle to the Gentiles is because he wasn't too good to leave the stage and do something that seemed menial that maybe other people would have educated themselves out of doing. It's amazing. And what happens is for two years, Paul lectures in the Hall of Tyrannus. The church at Colossae, started by Epaphras, it started during this time. I wonder if Epaphras wandered into the hall. What about the churches? Because in verse 10 of Acts 19, it talks about all of Asia, the entire region of Asia, heard the teaching. The entire region heard the teaching. You know, who would have thought that the apostle John, when he writes to the churches in Asia, who would have thought that maybe somebody like Tychicus or Trophimus, somebody who started the churches in Asia like Thyatira and Sardis and Philadelphia. I wonder if the people, the unnamed, unknown people who started these churches one day just wandered into the Hall of Tyrannus where a guy who wasn't too good to get off the stage and go make tents in the marketplace and he took his own money and he rented a hall and he preached the gospel. I wonder if all of those churches were started by somebody who just wandered into the hall. There's great evidence in the New Testament that the answer is yes. 
There's no way Paul would have known that. There's no way Paul would have known when he encountered opposition in the synagogue that his plan B, which is always plan A with God all along, when he rents a hall and he preaches the gospel, maybe just maybe an entire region would be impacted. Only God can write a story like that, but it doesn't stop there. For the verse I read to you, it says that God worked extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even his handkerchiefs and aprons that touched his skin, when they came in contact with people, they were healed and delivered. The handkerchief, that, that word that's used in the text for handkerchief literally means sweat. It would have been a piece of cloth that he wrapped around his head to keep the sweat from going into his eyes. The apron would have primarily probably been made out of leather. It wasn't just something that you know, Betty Crocker wears when she's making cupcakes. It, it would have been made out of leather to prevent Paul from gouging himself with one of the sharp instruments he would have used to make tents. A sweatband, it would have smelled, it was stained, it was dirty, an old, nasty leather apron. And these are the things that God used to work extraordinary miracles. It was not the garments of a priest. It was not the tassels that drape long off of, off of maybe Paul's former clothing as a Pharisee. It was stained, smelly, dirty clothing that was worn by a man who was not too good to get off the stage and go to the marketplace and work hard. I would submit to you, now listen, it's a true story. It really happened. They, the handkerchief came in contact with somebody and somebody was healed. So God can do that. He can do anything. When I read this personally, I don't think that the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, let's all go on TV and let's ask everybody, send me your $50 and I'll send you my green prayer cloth. I don't think that that's at all what the text is implying. But again, it did happen. It's a true story. It really happened. Could it be that the Holy Spirit is just wanting to emphasize once again that in the kingdom, something as simple and yet something as profound as humbling yourself and working hard when nobody else is looking advances the kingdom? So if I could give you a gift today, it would be that you would see how spiritual it is to work hard. And to do things with excellence. Because maybe, just maybe, the conversation about is this secular or is this sacred, maybe, just maybe, that conversation goes away when the kingdom comes. Because when the kingdom comes, whatever you do, if it's done with humility of heart and excellence of hands, whatever you do advances the kingdom. That's the lesson I want to share with you. You know, the conflict that took place in the synagogue occurred because they didn't know how to rectify the tension between how does the law, Old Testament law, New Testament grace in Jesus, how does the law and grace and the gospel and culture, how does all of that work together? Because they had no framework for how can somebody be filled with the Holy Spirit in Ephesus? How can a Gentile be filled with the Holy Spirit? How can somebody be saved and they don't need to be circumcised, right? These are the thoughts. This is what you're learning in class. The response of God through Paul was, you know what? How does the law, grace, 
culture, the gospel, life in the spirit, how does all of that work out together? Instead of God just downloading to Paul a coherent belief system, God leads Paul simply to humble himself and work hard. I wonder if one of the primary solutions we could employ as the Church of Jesus Christ in America as we're dealing with the same issue, how does law, we don't use relevance as an excuse to compromise, right? How does law, but what about grace? Grace demands more from us than the law ever will. How does law and grace and culture and the gospel, how does this work out in issues like sexual identity? How does this work out in issues like immigration? How does this work out in issues like the refugee crisis? And the list goes on and on and on. Maybe just maybe the same solution that God employed in Acts chapter 19 would do us well to employ in the United States of America today. What if as people, the people of God who are filled with the Holy Spirit, we humbled ourselves and we simply worked hard at whatever our hand finds itself to do? That means now your homework, the purpose of your homework, student, is not to pass. The purpose of your homework is when God watches you sitting at a desk or at a table in a coffee shop and God says, you know what, I can trust her. The word count is 2,000. I can trust her to have integrity and not plagiarize. I can trust him to give 100% instead of the night before just do whatever it takes to get a passing grade. Maybe just maybe the kingdom is watching for somebody like Paul who's willing to get out of the limelight and just work hard and do things with excellence, even even if it's something as frivolous as making tents. And think of all of the churches that were planted that wouldn't have been planted had Paul not humbled himself to work hard. I love that. If I could give you a gift, it's the gift of whatever your hand finds it to do, do it with excellence, do it with all of your heart. Maybe just maybe that's some of the evidence of being Pentecostal we need to talk more about. Because if you're Shandai Shikamo in the break room and you're the employee nobody wants on the team because you're lazy, how many of you know people have a different opinion about your Jesus now? But if you're the person when you're dividing up the team in class or at work and say, you know what, four of you are going to get together and you're going to do this project. If you're the one everybody wants on their team because they know you're going to work hard, you're going to roll up your sleeves and do whatever it takes, how many of you know we advance the kingdom? So that's what I have to share with you. So we're going to end probably a few minutes early. And what I'd like you to do is this, right where you're at, before you get up out of your seat, I'm going to pray in just a moment and dismiss you. And if you want to linger and pray, you certainly can. But I wonder, let's just look at this week for a second. I wonder, this week alone, before the Lord, can I just meddle in your business? Before the Lord, have you done the little things well? Have you, have you done the little things with excellence? Have you aborted a miracle that the Lord wanted to perform because you're too good to go to the marketplace and sweat and work hard? Maybe you're asking the Lord to anoint your priestly garments and the Lord's just saying, hey, you know what? Why don't you just work hard enough to where you need a handkerchief and then we'll see what I can do through you. Putting in a hard day's work, doing our best with whatever our hand finds it to do is spiritual. It is profound, and oftentimes it involves the humility of our heart and our willingness simply to do it. 
So I want to give you an opportunity to repent today. With no music playing, no sappy story, I want to give you an opportunity to repent. An opportunity to just with you and the Lord, ask yourself, what do you do when you encounter opposition? What do you do when God's given you a huge dream in your heart like Paul to be an apostle to the Gentiles and you encounter a roadblock and it seems like you've got nowhere to go and frankly, you don't know what to do next. Paul did whatever he could with what was in his hands with a humble heart and with excellence. And it was an opportunity for promotion in the kingdom. So I wonder if you need to repent of your attitude. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to just do that. I'm going to give you an opportunity to find a place. You can do it where you're at. You can do it anywhere up here. But I'm going to give you an opportunity to just come and humble yourself before the Lord. And maybe you need to look at things like how you've been handling trustworthy conversations with people. I'll keep this between us, I promise, and you don't. Things like, you know what, I'll pray with you about that. I stopped saying I'll pray with you about that because oftentimes I'll forget. So I'll just pray with you about it now. Otherwise, I'll pray with you about that, but I won't tell you. Because I'd rather not tell you and do it than tell you I'll pray with you about it and forget. Are you, are you with me? I'm not trying to be religious. I'm just trying to have integrity. I'll be, I'll be there at 5 o'clock, coach, I promise. Right? So it's the little things that advance the kingdom. It's profound. So I'm going to give you an opportunity. We've got about five minutes. If you want, you can stay in your seat. You can come up here. You can do whatever you want and just get with the Lord and think about your heart and your attitude and ask yourself this simple question. Are you willing to leave the stage? Are you willing to leave the limelight? Are you willing to do the things with excellence and humility and work hard when nobody's looking? If we can fold that into the fabric of your life now, the rest of your life is going to glorify God in a big way. Trust me. Trust Acts chapter 19. So let's do it. Just take a few minutes, find a place, spend time with God, ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart, ask God how your work ethic is, ask God about the level of excellence you do things with, ask God about the integrity you have in conversations, and just search your heart for just a few minutes before I bless you and we'll dismiss you.